Hello everyone, welcome back. In this episode, we bring on Hugh Min, who is a freelance director and video editor who has traveled a lot and had the opportunity of working on so many commercials, viral documentaries, and shorts. We talk about a lot of things like traveling, making short films, styles of directing, the 48-hour short film competition, and the current state of market of filmmaking. I think it's an interesting conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show, and how are you doing? Thanks, everybody. Welcome, Max. Good. Thank you, guys. Good to be on your show. Thank you. for That was a very flattering intro you gave me there. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. Let's 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 begin. Let's kind of dial back a little bit and just kind of go back into young Hugh. What got you interested in filmmaking in the first place? And how was, like, school like for you? And how, how was it for you growing up maybe in New Zealand or...? I think I come from a small town in New Zealand. Small-ish. It's yes. like 300,000 people. That's, that's big by some standards. But there's no, there wasn't a lot to do there. And I th- also I grew up without a television. When I first started going to the cinema, I was like... It was probably, like, some, some form of escapism. And then I started watching behind-the-scenes films that they used to put on dvds and i was like i was just mind blown by like the cool tricks and all the cool like just cool filmmaking stuff that you could use to to make a film and tell a story my school bought its like first ever video camera and i got was lucky enough to get my hands on that and try it out and i was like really taken by that and then i realized oh, i could actually do this for yeah you know aim to do it as a career so that then probably the next 10 years or so that was about 10 at that time and then the next 10 years kind of all pointed in that direction to become a professional in the industry that's mm-hmm. great man was it was it difficult to learn about filmmaking in new zealand is, is there any community is there any like club about it most people in new zealand know about it is the 48 hour film competition i think they have them in a few different countries but um, they usually receive a lot of publicity and it's like a really fun informal competitive way uh, if you're not familiar it's like on the Friday night at seven o'clock you go and assemble at this point in the city and they give you the, the genre a character a line and an object and you have to incorporate right and shoot a film and 48 hours and then turn it back in on the Sunday night what yeah, yeah I heard about it it's very stressful I think I think yeah so, so like a lot of people did that and that attracts people like amateurs and professionals. Have you done it though? Yeah, we, we did it a few years with very mixed results. <laughs> Sometimes it was so cool like seeing what people are able to pull off in just 48 hours. But how did you learn though? Like did you learn it from someone or you just like experiment all by yourself? I think I experimented all by myself. I managed to convince my, my dad to, to buy the family a video camera. Yeah, and then I would use that with my friends to to film stuff, and then I just downloaded the you know Premiere back in the day, and or I think I got the student version or something, and just used that. I guess being self taught has its ups and downs. I mean, yes. I mean, what are what are you? Did you go to school? Are you self taught? I mean, well, I know you read a lot. You yes, read yeah. Um, well, me and Kai met as like I told you, a film school, and I went <laughs> to school to study in Turkey, and I studied kind of a major that combines like filmmaking with design with art direction with communication design yeah, yeah it's called communication and design. Yeah. teach you about media and it's kind of a combination of multiple things and it's up to you to kind of specialize and choose whatever you want and that's where i really met kai where we were in the same department but we were in different years talked for one time and then we clicked and then we're like yeah man like we have same like same mindset of you know yeah. like a similar passion to love filmmaking and shooting films 
But it's it's really quite interesting how stories of filmmakers are very similar, I feel like. Even for Yukai, right? You were also interested in what happens behind the scene. And, and that had led you to falling in love with filmmaking, right? I, I've been... Because my mom used to like to shoot with this VC, VCR thingy, the tape, you know, I used to steal it from her and then I let my two, two of my little brother, they fight each other and then I shoot like a little short film of them fighting. That's my way of experimenting. And I'm really curious, like, when did you kind of like, you do realize that at, at a younger age that you can do this professionally, but when was the time when you think that, okay, I'm like, I'm actually going to do this for a living and you got to take it seriously and, you know, level up your skills and all of that stuff. Like, how was the process? Of you doing that? I think for me, it was in university around this time when there was kind of like a pivotal moment in amateur filmmaking or, or semi-professional filmmaking where they introduced the video function on DSLR cameras. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden you got like the depth of field and the cinematic look. Yeah. And it was accessible to everyone. And which year was that? That I, I think they started coming in around like 2009 or something canon okay. and, and nikon started or is it uh, nikon i don't know yeah <laughs> well uh, started <laughs> introducing video function as the 5d mark mark ii yeah the the legendary yes that's uh, right uh, it was i think i and then at the same around the same time that everyone started making films with them um there were a lot of these online video contests popping up where brands were just trying to get content made I suppose for cheap. I think that's what's happening. At yeah. the time I was entering it, I was just like, "Oh, cool, free video content." Yes. Like I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, but I, I was entering lots of those, and I was started winning like quite a few of them. Oh. Then that kind of made me realize, like, oh, maybe actually I could do this. I got a job in an advertising agency, kind of thinking like, oh this is a good step closer to the industry. And now I'm still in advertising. <laughs> did you, but did you, <laughs> but did you have like an ultimate goal though, or you just wanted to do it for a living? It's like, I know some people, they say like, oh, my ultimate goal is to enter Hollywood and you know, they're working towards that, but, or, or you just wanted to be in the industry. I think, no, of course, I think I wanted to be in, in Hollywood, like almost everyone does. I think at least when you're starting out, I think that, desire has kind of waned a little bit i mean i've got a few friends who do work in in hollywood and it doesn't sound as as nice and cushy as as you would think like it's very competitive it's very cutthroat depending on what role you take in the industry can have very different experiences i suppose and i guess also you kind of like i don't know i've i've managed to find a really nice lifestyle where i'm able to travel and and do this for work and I guess I'm getting fulfillment in that way not necessarily in making like a feature film which maybe was my dream of, a, of five or ten years ago it's very similar in what I was thinking when I was in university because that was the thing I wanted to do which is like doing features or at least doing shorts right I really enjoyed yeah there's very there's lots of like kind of pleasure in in making shorts right you kind of have this kind of idea and vision and, and concept really and there's so much enjoyment in just making that happen even like regardless of how much work or how much effort or how much you know time you put into it the second that you see the final film there's very much like a huge kind of happiness and joy that comes from it and it's very interesting to see that in your story as well and similar to me as well or probably you Kai you've both made short films yeah from start to finish 
Yeah. What was your favorite part of the process? My favorite part was seeing the first time I see the, f- the, the concept come to life, the first camera roll on set. That was my first part because this is where everything I have worked for, for like maybe a year or even he- like heck, it depends on how long it took you in the pre-production phase. But this is like the moment where I like this is where it's either I'm either disappointed or I'm either really happy because what I conceptualized, what I had in my head had become reality. That's the moment for me. It's the first camera roll. It's the first take, right? Right. right. What about you? Okay. What was it? I do love shooting and, and being on set because that is. I feel like the story doesn't really come to life until you're in the edit. Really. Yes, right. So for, for sure. me, actually, there are two moments. That was, that was one. And the second one is when I am in the editing room and I see things working for me, right? right? I see them using working and I see the cuts are working and I kind of have something. That's when I'm like, heck man, like we, I've made something from nothing, you know? And it's very interesting. What about you, Kyle? Well, well, one of my favorite word about, uh, like in French, when they call director, like film director, they call it réalisateur, a realizer, right? So you, you make this vision, and you, which is a word I really like. Like every language is called director, but in French they call it realizer. And that's, it's like that, like literally, like you have this image in your mind. And then it's, I, I guess it's, it's the same thing for both of you. The moment, the first day on shoot, you start to see everything come, come in place and just give you great satisfaction. But I have a, <laughs> a very interesting question though. Like, is there anything about filmmaking that really makes you sick? Because for example, for, for my case is I made a lot of very shitty short films. All right. And it really breaks my heart when I see that happen. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if it happened to everyone. Like we, we spend probably so long to prepare it. And then it didn't start breaking my heart all the way until the editing part. You know, like during the shooting, everything we just feel is, is all right. It looked good. But then when we go to editing, everything just doesn't seem to work. And then I just had this. I felt sick for like two weeks because it took me so long to prepared i don't ha- have this ever happened to you well for me it happened a lot but <laughs> i guess <laughs> i guess you you get through it you know and and to be honest you kind of get that even when you have even when you're kind of happy at the end of your short film i feel like the first cut that you watch of your film is always somewhat disappointing like there's there's joy and enjoyment in that but but there's always some sort of disappointment in it because your vision never really comes to life fully like let's be honest yeah, here. like yeah. it's impossible Right. I guess it's a rare case. I still believe it's possible, but I feel like it's a very rare case. I don't yeah. think I've ever yeah. heard an interview with a director where they go, "Yep, brilliant, just as I, <laughs> just as I <laughs> perfect." <laughs> yeah, I think I had a really fun experience with that. I just finished my first short narrative that was actually really expensive to make. Um, <laughs> not like not too long ago, and. I didn't I almost I didn't really realize that that was a normal part of the process yeah because I because I had been self-taught and everything I didn't have any mentors or anything it's like and I worked in advertising where everything's so meticulously planned out right. and storyboarded so there's never any like real experimentation so when I've wrapped and I went to the edit I was like oh my god this is awful and I <laughs> I tried it I would go back and try and edit it like every few months I was just like and I couldn't even, I'd be like, ah, oh, this sucks. And I'd feel like I'd failed because I didn't have anyone who had told me like, oh, but that's a normal part of 
the filmmaking process or listen to any director. It wasn't until I, I heard a, an interview from another New Zealand director called Taika Waititi where he was saying, like, every time he watches the first assembly, he feels like he's never going to work in this industry yes, again. Yes, yes. So. Exactly. Martin Scorsese actually said that. I think in one of his master class, like I saw in the trailer, he said that if you, if you didn't feel sick, after seeing your first draft, then something is wrong. I saw him saying that quote while I was feeling, feeling sick seeing my first short film. So that actually gave me really big relief, you know? <laughs> so I, I, like that thing I was always remember. I, I'm so glad that the YouTube algorithm worked well that time, you know? Like that ad just happened to hit me. So I recommend you to check that video out also. Check the masterclass of Martin Scorsese. There's a whole culture around making films purely because advertising like you said is a bit somewhat similar uh, which is a lot of what filmmakers they start out as wanting to make short films and wanting to make features and then they kind of go to advertising because that's where the money really lies like it's like it's very difficult to make money out of a short or out of a the only you would just spend money on these things right and you would do them in your spare time to yeah you rarely really make money out of um shorts or features i guess hugh would understand that since you you working in the advertising industry like for me at least advertising and and this artistic short film or feature films the main difference is that pure artistic films is more of an experimental process and when you're doing commercial you have a goal you must which you must achieve that for the client so like that's how i differentiate between both of them i don't know how you feel about that yeah, I think that's probably accurate. And I guess I've heard, I don't know, but I've heard like when you get up into like the really, really upper echelons of advertising, like you're doing stuff with really big budgets and they get like big name directors in. I think they have a bit more of that sort of pure filmmaking. Uh, more more freedom of uh, art, artistic choices. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, day-to-day advertising is, especially now it's like over, when I first entered the industry like 10 years ago, it, it's like the budgets had started thinning down because of social media and oh right so and then everyone all the agencies are so desperate for income they started just kind of doing whatever the clients want and then you know that kind of like degrades the work sometimes and but uh, but it seems to be coming back a bit I'll be I'll yeah. be honest I'm happy to see uh, yeah because I kind of felt that that the perception towards filmmaking has degraded really because the difference between a run-and-gun filmmaker who just shoots a coffee shop video and an entire production team that kind of creates and plans and you know storyboards and writes and does all of that seems to be shrinking nowadays and that line between a filmmaker and a normal run-and-gun shooter like it just seems to be getting closer and like I, I think it's just because the the entry level is getting lower and lower. That's the only reason. Because of of these, uh, once things are getting cheaper, it's easier to get into. Well, obviously you have less risk shooting them, so uh, people will just do it for for cheaper prices. But back then, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it's a lot more expensive doing this. So you really need to plan out everything, and and be a lot more careful with it. So. That's why I guess that that's probably one of the main reasons these things are happening. And I do feel like there's there's still this way, way high end, like this upper class client that once you get in there, you know, like you still would have a lot of profit while doing like like Hugh said, you know, like you can have your freedom, but you still make good money at the same time. Like a couple of months ago, I saw this commercial from um, I think it's Hermes or Burberry. They, they shot this commercial with people 
you know, flying in the field or something. I don't know if you, you guys saw that commercial. It's, when I saw it, it's like so, it's so good. It's like, this is like very, there's kind of like a story going on, but I can tell like these fashion editorial videos, it's really the, these filmmakers having fun while telling the story about their clothes. So I feel like if you reach this higher end of things, you might be able to do it. But at the same time, I personally enjoy shooting like these normal day-to-day products, you know. I, it's, it's my preference. I, I used to dream of shooting for Hollywood, but right now I just ha- I'm having so much fun doing these things. I don't know about Ibrahim or Hugh, like w- w- where are you guys planning to be? Like I, I shoot, re- like just yesterday I shot for this bicycle com- uh, commercial, Giant. I don't know if you've heard of the, the brand. Oh yeah, yeah, they're uh, from Taiwan, right? I only just yeah, they're from Taiwan. Learned that the, recently, the, that's yeah, so funny. Yeah, I've been kind of started having a long-term uh, relationship with them, and I just I enjoy so much shooting it. I just think I just think it's so much fun. Like I get to see uh, I, the newest product, and once it's done, they release it, and I just feel proud when when they put it on TV and stuff. That's where I'm I'm gonna stay at. <laughs> I'm not going to follow. <laughs> I feel like shooting bikes is fun. <laughs> no, it is fun. Because huh? yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, like you go out and, you know, with a biker and I feel like it's fun, generally. Yeah? Yeah. I enjoy that too. I mean, back in the day. Thanks for comforting me. (laughs) 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 No, it is a really, it is. (laughs) It's fucking worse. (laughs) Good brand. Yeah. Are there any genres that that you wanted to work in back in the day? I used to enjoy tech a lot like shooting like oh yeah he, he he was really good have you showed your stuff to to hugh yeah so so back in college so funny story back in college i used to um, i used to take photographs of products i used to love that for some reason and i used to post those on, on instagram i would just take like take this macbook and i would just phrase it and light it and do whatever and i would just take it and i i i started posting them on unsplash have you heard of unsplash yeah and yeah and they the photos got really popular and a lot of people downloaded them and I used to just get joy out of that and I got good at it because it's also really good it was a really good practice because it teaches you how to frame things it's almost like you're making a composition but instead of having people in your frame it's almost like you have products in your frame right and it was very interesting and what kind of angles work with certain products what kind of you know angles don't work and it's very very interesting and i love that and there are still people who do that and make a lot of money from that they're like purely product photographers and product filmmakers mm-hmm. who just do commercials they're very popular as well on on social media uh but yeah i, I used to love that i feel like i started doing the same thing to certain extents that i still do enjoy it now but it's just not the same as it used to be for me yeah it's like Hugh, do you do any photography just travel photography i started out taking photos more than just because like videos were not really yeah, yeah. more expensive yeah and also it's a team effort most of the time but i don't do any other photos you have an a7s right you told i me. did i did but yeah, I sold it just because it's too too big to travel with. Yeah, I, I want to go into a little bit of a spec conversation. Like, do you have any preference in cameras, and what kind of cameras do they prefer in New Zealand? Do they prefer in New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, legally required, but to use red. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
in all our productions. No. Uh, yeah, I remember when that Peter Jackson was making The Hobbit, they had, like, so many reds. Because there yeah. was a, there's a private jet that has, like, the red camera logo and stuff on it that's owned by them and that would always be flying over to, to New Zealand. Um, but no, I don't, I don't have any preference. Even though I guess I, I've always enjoyed getting into technical the technical stuff, like, I've never really worried that much about it like when I've yeah. been making films because I personally don't feel it really affects the film. It's not like the make or break of the film. For Maybe sure, the lenses, sure. if you're doing, uh-huh. you know, if you're, if you're trying to get like a particular look. Definitely. Everyone used to want to shoot anamorphic back in the day. And yeah, <laughs> for no reason. Now everyone's shooting yeah. like four by three. Yes, film. Film oh, yeah. is yeah. really, really popular. <laughs> it's, a trend, it's a trend now. Yeah, it's very, very popular. I'm sorry, like in Taiwan, for some reason, all of these younger generation kids, they love Fujifilm. They like these, uh, I don't know, I feel like they're just being hipsters, you know, like they, Fujifilm is just like the thing. But but to be honest though, Fujifilm is really getting better these days. But like I look around the world, nobody, no country has ever had this, this like love for Fujifilm. But in Taiwan, we just really enjoy using it. Like I, I'm not even sure they know the difference between like the look of Fujifilm versus other camera. But like Hugh said, I, I do believe that um, most cameras nowadays are just so good. You don't really need to worry about which camera is gonna affect your 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 film or not. But Ibrahim, I remember you told me that you guys, your company, use Red a lot, right? Or or Ari? I think we use Ari. We use the Mini LF, which is the best. Ari is the best. The bit rate is really high. The highlights roll off is really high, like really good. Dynamic range really good. Obviously, yeah, everyone knows the Ari Alexa is one of the top. And you guys use anamorphic when you shoot, or? <laughs> Like I think so. Else. I'm not. I'm not quite aware on like the 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 gear because that's obviously on the production side, and I'm more on the post production department. But I think sometimes I've seen I've seen some commercials where we used anamorphic lenses. But I, I don't know. I don't know how that works, or or whether we have right. lenses or not. I don't know. You told me that Hugh Hugh is working mainly as a video director and editor, right? So you've directed before Hugh, right? How do you find the difference between editing and directing? <laughs> what I, I guess what made you because I feel like you started out as a director, right? Yeah. And and then you kind of specialize into video editing and what yeah. what was that process like? I think it was a couple things happened. One was directing is a lot more stressful, I would say, depending on where you are working and in what market you're working in. And, you know, you're always doing treatments and then, you know, maybe one in five will get turned, you'll be picked for. And it's just, and then, you know, you're dealing with different frustrations than when you're an editor. It's kind of like all the stuff's been done and now it's just up to you to, to use your creativity to do the best that you can and fix anything that was maybe not quite right on on the day that kind of have a huge stress also though right because everyone like did their best and then they gave everything to you and now you have to you have to make something good out of it right <laughs> yeah i mean it, it can be if it's if it's but you know you, you kind of just go well this is the best i can do uh you know hopefully people are accepting of, of the limitations but but um yeah i don't know I, I think there was that aspect there was the the sides of directing which are quite stressful and then there was the other sides of editing which were quite appealing and i think i realized i just kind of enjoyed editing more than i thought i did i think initially when i started i was like oh editing is just like a a tool it's like a means to an end yeah and i never really viewed it as like a a kind of its own art form 
Yeah, understand. I agree. Like I recently, I realized. Like I'm embarrassed to say this, but I like for the past three years, I realized how Im- how important the storytelling is in the edits. Obviously, the director take a big part of it, but I think video editors are so underrated. Like the the storytelling really depends. I would say almost like fifty fifty. You know like between the editors and the directors so that's why a lot of directors they prefer to edit themselves in taiwan you know i, I don't know about you guys but like yeah like i i edit most of my commercial i really want to hire an editor and i know that i need to let go of some of my workflow so i i have more time but i had this vision when i'm directing i think about what i'm how i'm going to edit it you know while while i'm directing so i wanted to ed- edit it exactly that way but i know like how important it is at the editing process like it's going to change the whole flow of the story you know that you can shoot something like a in your mind when you're directing but if the edit editor didn't understand what the director wants it can turn into a whole nother story right so like the communication between the director I, i believe is very important like do you have a lot of issue with director how's your your process communicating with with directors normally it's really funny because amongst some of my friends who are directors, they all say, and Ibrahim and I were just talking about this the other day, it's like they really struggle to click with their editors mm. or find an editor that they that's kind of like their, their go-to, which yeah, is really yeah. interesting when I've been on the editing side. I feel like some directors are very communicative and want to ensure that you fully understand their vision, but other times they, they kind of are like, oh, let's just see what you come up with, and they're more open open to like if they trust you to come mm. up with like a because maybe you'll come up with something better than what they even thought yeah, if, yeah. you know and that's the dream as a director as well right but mm-hmm. again yeah. it's for some reason the the editing role is it's it's kind of like this a little bit of a black box sometimes yeah and i, I feel like also before before the director meets the editor right it's a very important process because the editor has already made hundreds and hundreds of decisions that the director had no control over like as a director there's no way for you to be 100% i don't want to say in control of but 100% certain of what the editor is going to do like there's so many decisions like how much do you hold on one shot how much do you move from one shot to the next what kind of music do you choose the you know the volume the the pacing the rhythm all of these there are like hundreds of decisions that the editor has made before even the director sits with the editor, right? And so yeah. it's it's a very important process and it's very important that they both click because eventually it's a relationship and editing in a way is a very intimate process. Like it's a very intimate thing because you're both sitting in one room with a certain goal and you're trying to battle between each other sometimes to kind of achieve that vision that the director had. And I would say it's very tricky. And like you said, you said it's a black box, (laughs) but it is in some way, you know, and it's a very relatively new art form. Like how long have we known editing? Like the Kuleshov effect is what editing is, right? Like it's it's creating meaning through juxtaposition of images, right? And and how long have we known editing for? It's a very new art form right and, and it's still changing till now right it's changing in a very dramatic way because of these social media platform like because of the appearance of i don't know tiktok or something there's new ways of of interpreting editing right and this new style of editing it just kept on changing it's just like can you imagine them trying to cut like a modern day music video back on film back in oh. the day they'd be like cutting oh like, my god like hundreds of frames to yes <laughs> oh yeah it's so painful like yeah i, I guess like technology did help uh, did make editing a lot more easier, no, in much sense, and it kind of just make the storytelling become much. There's much more variety 
of storytelling skills thanks to technology, right? Because you can edit in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I, I think me and Ibrahim we also had a conversation about like color grading, right? Like how color grading is so uh, underrated. Like color grading can change the way you feel about the story, right? There's just so much thing in post-production that I, I guess there's, there's still more things that we haven't even noticed how important they are yet. We just haven't see, seen it yet, right? Yeah. And, and because it's an art form, it's a very much, you know, you keep discovering new things and, you know, you keep experimenting and discovering. And because I've read a lot of editing books recently, it's very fresh on my mind. And so I've heard the director <laughs> say that every, an editor say every cut is a jump cut because on film you had the entire <laughs> roll of film. And so every cut is actually a jump cut because you're basically, there's one roll and you're cutting but it's just that the angle has changed, if that makes sense, you know, which is a very interesting thing to realize. But all right, I, I want to take it back to uh, traveling, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. because I know you've traveled a lot and I, I want to kind of relate that to filmmaking, right? So what kind of countries have you traveled to that had impact on your filmmaking, I would say? I've been and worked as a filmmaker in Kenya and the UK <laughs> and the US and Qatar now. Yeah. <laughs> well, there oh. we go. <laughs> but are, are you going to stay in Qatar? Like, do you have any plans staying here long term or just like temporarily? Just temporary at the moment. I mean, um, it's uh, it's a nice place to be happy to come back. But um, just because the World Cup is on, it's a, it's a different experience oh. right now. Do you like to travel or is this happen to you just happen to need to travel? I do like to travel. I, I think it's something about being from New Zealand, like a tiny island down the bottom right hand corner of the map you want to get out there and see what else is, is out there and then once you do you kind of like this is endless if you're a curious person it's just like this never ending like oh wow that's cool oh man that's so interesting obviously there's like some good some bad some some days where you're like man i would love to just be in like my own house and yeah. my own bed right now and see my usual friends and then other times you're like whoa i met this cool person and this yeah so but yeah definitely more of a a lifestyle choice and obviously very lucky to be able to do it it's not accessible for everyone what what kind of things did you did you do for example in kenya like that's just so interesting and never met anyone who went to kenya so i was a director at a production company an in-house director at a production company there for about a year and a half and working in advertising again yeah uh, yeah it was really interesting because it's a it's a big country huge population but like small filmmaking market there's only a couple of grip companies and there's only a few like one or two Mm. steady cams and so the industry itself there's really really small and they're still using like some of the original lights from like out of africa when (laughs) when they film that oh yeah uh it's quite interesting and then obviously you go to a place like london where it's just very big and competitive market and lots of scale like big productions, small productions, like. I, I see. But in, in Kenya, for example, since there's so, like, there's not a lot of filmmakers out there, is it possible to, like, monopolize the market since, you know, there's no competition at all? Uh, I guess you can try, but, I mean, inevitably, yeah. you'll get one or two competitors pop up if there's enough. Uh, I mean, it's just one or two co- <laughs> against the whole. I guess when I went there, it was, there weren't a lot of Kenyan filmmakers at that time but but now there are there are quite a few and and they've all got like really cool voices and really awesome work mm. and the scene there is like really evolving Growing, and, yeah. and 
taking off pretty rapidly. That's great, man. It's funny, you told me one time, even in regards to like, there's a difference in, even in terms of the dynamics, in terms of how you work on the production side, where being director and can you have to be more direct and kind of more straight with, with the production crew, while maybe in cities like New York and in, in London, I guess, you kind of, you don't have to be as much direct and people would listen, which yeah. is quite funny. Yeah, it was interesting just being like, there's different types of directors and different directing personalities like some directors prefer to be more chilled and reserved and and nice and then some prefer to be more like quite aggressive and shouty like you know your James Cameron's and your Michael Bay (laughs) there's a great video on YouTube actually called I think it's just called Dicks by Max Josephs (laughs) so he, he was a guy who was just doing... He, he created that series Catfish. Have you heard of that? I or, or there was a documentary as well. Yeah. But he was like a YouTuber. And then he made this series Catfish and it was picked up by one of the networks. And then... Is it Netflix? I, I don't know I, what it is, actually. I, I think it's on Netflix. I think I saw it. But then he got given this... Um, his feature directorial debut narrative feature called We Are Your Friends with Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. It was not very well received. I actually didn't mind it. But he then made this video after that whole experience. And yeah. It's on YouTube. It's about half an hour. It's called Dicks. And it's kind of like he thought he was being too nice. And it was almost like the cast and crew didn't respect him because he was being too oh. nice. And so he goes around and he interviews different people in the film industry, asking them whether he whether you need to be a bit of a, a dick sometimes to actually get execute your vision yeah. more clearly. Super interesting video. Um, yeah, recommend looking that up. Dude, I gotta check it out, man. But but anyway, going back to what you're saying, that was a bit of a tangent. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess in when when I was working in Kenya at that time, I think most of the directors that had been working there tended to be the more like shouty kind of get things done kind of types and so then when I was there trying to be all nice it was like stuff just didn't get done because it was like and also I guess if you're if you're more of like the nice person you need people in between you to kind of act as the bad cop as well which it's really interesting that whole side of like the people dynamics of filmmaking which they don't really teach you in film school like (laughs) how to manage people how to like because there's no exact right way to do it like every team has their own way to to deal with with these type of situation for example I also personally don't like to shout, so I like to ask my assistant director or producer to do that for me. So I can just hide behind, you know, at my little corner and just tell them to shout for me. But someone has to shout, really. I feel like in film set, because you have this pressure with, with, with time, right? You, you gotta finish in eight hours, you gotta finish in 10 hours, otherwise you're losing money. So I guess that's why people are nervous. I mean, the like for us who, who's spending the money, because we have, we're kind of running out of time, but I, I do have uh, one last question for Hugh. And if Ibrahim, you have more questions, we can finish it up. So you're currently focusing on mainly video editing as far as I understood, right? Like you did directing before, you're more focusing on editing. But do you have any plans on on going back to editing? Or do you have any plans on trying other departments or other like positions in a filmmaking team? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying editing at the moment. So I'm pretty happy here. But I think if like a 
script or an idea kind of came across and, and someone was like, hey, we think you're the guy for this one. And I felt that way, then I would totally do it. As a director, that is. DPing's always been like, I really find it interesting, but I just feel like there's way too much to learn now at this point. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. For me to like switch uh, over to that side. Yeah. May I ask, how, how old are you? I'm 32. Oh, 32? You're still so young, man. I, I met so much people who like transferred to DP at 30. Five. It's like the cameras nowadays are so easy to use, so I guess it's not difficult. It's kind of fun because you know you just light the scene and then you just yeah. sit there and do your Yeah, take your daily feed. Yeah. yeah. But oh that's a very God. good answer that you get because I think that I don't know who I've heard someone say he says he said don't be an editor be a filmmaker who edits so you can understand the whole process. Oh, that's a great quote. Because when you become an editor for a certain time, kind of get narrow focused on one thing, right? And you kind of lose sight of the entire process. And I feel like filmmaking is an art form at the end of the day, and it's very important to stay fresh like to keep the entire filmmaking process on your mind and that helps you even with editing right because you can look at things with a fresh new perspective yeah and I, I guess as we wrap it up I have one last question for you we always talk about this me and Kai because we went to film school and I want to hear your thoughts on film school do you think it's necessary to go to film school to become a, a filmmaker in today's day and age or what do you think about that whole thing I think if you're that you know the, the cliched answer is like just going out there and making movies is film school. Yeah. And you'll do that whether you do it yourself or whether you go to school for it. I think film school is really beneficial if you're striving to be like a narrative filmmaker or documentary, but like if you do if you're gonna do anything long form, I yeah. think they do teach you like some more like fundamentals. And and to be honest, like I've met a, a just randomly, like in everyday life, I've ran into directors who they're like, oh, yeah, I went to film school, and then I check out their reels, and it's awesome. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have gone to film <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, and it's been really awesome hearing your story and perspective, I guess, on, the, on filmmaking. And Yeah, really cool, man. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it.